Coast Game episode of The Shot Show. We come to you live on Sunday afternoon following Coastal's absolute total domination of UMass. Final score 53-3 in a game that was never really close at all. Didn't even look competitive. It really looked like Coastal was playing a high school team out there. Man, just... They, they weren't even close. It was over after the first touchdown Coastal scored. You could see UMass had just completely and totally quit. Yep, absolutely. I believe the eye test for me was really offensive line play. Uh, the, throughout the entire game, uh, Grace McCall was not sacked. So offensive line play was really good this week. And the main thing really was the jersey was clean. And, you know, we got back to playing Coastal Carolina football. Yeah, absolutely. And, and – not only was Grayson kept clean, all the quarterbacks were kept clean. UMass finished the game, no sacks, one quarterback hurried the whole game. I don't know that I even believe that statistic, but, you know, whatever. It was nice to see Coastal rotate in a bunch of different players. We got to see a lot of Bryce Carpenter at quarterback. We got to see a little bit of Guest at quarterback, and a bunch of running backs rolled through. I mean, pretty much you had first, second, and third team all get some meaningful action in this game. Right, and the big thing I wanted to point out was we thought the defense had a chance this week to get back to their form last year, how good they were. The Black Swarm really came alive. They were getting pressure on the quarterback. All the defensive linemen, there's seven or eight of them that actually play, they were all getting pressures. They looked really good, and the defense came out with energy, and they actually came out and played good in the first quarter, which is something that I haven't seen one time this season. So to get the defense coming out strong from the beginning, it looked really good, and they only allowed three points, and that was just because UMass wanted to kick a field goal. They were going to go for it, but they didn't want that goose egg up there. Defense looked good the entire game all around. It was a really great performance. Absolutely, and for me, what passed the eye test was that running back duo of Braden Bennett and Reese White. And not, and not only that, but Javon Hiley and Isaiah Likely, the highly likely connection, that looked like it returned in the UMass game as well. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those guys looked uncoverable. Um, Hiley just looked faster, bigger, stronger than anybody UMass could throw at, at him. Likely the same exact way. There was no stopping either of those guys. Nice to see Coastal walk out in a game with no major injuries. That's a benefit, too. Yep. So, you know, this this is really good all around. There's nothing that we can complain about in this game. You completely dominated in all phases of the game. A blocked punt um, that resulted in a safety. The entire team was clicking on all cylinders. Everything was running really well, really smoothly. We didn't have any kind of misconceptions about what this team was from the second that they came out of the locker room. So moving to a little bit of, you know, breaking down the statistics of the game, 558 yards in total offense for Coastal, 158 from (laughs) UMass. Uh, A little bit of a difference there. Just a little bit. Just 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 a touch. UMass looked pretty apathetic on offense. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely believe that Brady Olsen, even though he wasn't really, you know, performance-wise, he still was out there. The guy, you got to give the guy credit. He's a tough guy, tough guy out there. He's taking a lot of hits, a lot of uh, scrambles out of the pocket. Um, but, you know, and even the backup quarterback, uh, Garrett DeZero, he, he played really well. He actually was the one that led them down the field um, to – they're only three points of the game. So you got to give those two a lot of credit. Uh, going up against the Black Swarm defense of, of Coastal and, uh, you know, 
you know, Minutemen, you got to give them credit. I mean, they've had a tough couple stretches the last couple years, but they are they're they're a tough bunch and they they don't give up. Grayson McCall only played five drives in this entire game, and he <laughs> threw for more yards than UMass had total offense. So that's a little statistical nugget for you right there. Yeah, that's yeah. that's insane. You know, we we got to halftime 36 nothing, and mm-hmm. we were really excited to see what would happen, right? We were all excited to maybe, you know, we're going to double this this lead. <laughs> we're going to just completely blow it out. And out of, <laughs> out of halftime, Grayson comes out with a backwards baseball cap on and all right, well, his day's over. We're done with that. So, you know. Um, but that being said, second team looked great. Second team looked unstoppable. Third team looked great, looked unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I feel bad. I feel bad for Guest. He had a, a touchdown called back on a backside block that I don't know that really was a backside block. So I feel bad that he, he had that called back for him. But, you know, overall, complete total dominance. You look at, at UMass's statistics – Boy, it's bad. They, uh, yeah, really. <laughs> Brady Olson, you know, all credit to this kid. He coming up against 17th ranked Coastal uh, on a team that has lost 15 straight games, has lost 19 of their last 20. Like, that's tough to be that quarterback. Finished the game 86 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, so plus their uh, quarterback rating of 7.9. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um, not good. <laughs> Not good. But whole team finishes 130 yards passing. They were locked down all game. And, and coming into this game, we knew that UMass didn't have a ton of options to beat us deep. Um, and they showed that really heavily in this game. They chucked it down to Rico Arnold a lot, running short little hitches, little slants. You know, most of his 14 completions were for all of two, three yards. I mean, he finished with a 3.7-yard average. Like, that's that's not going to get it done against anybody, let alone the Black Swarm. Tyson Mobley really stuck out to me. Really, his one carry for 32 yards. Coastal was up 22 to nothing, and Jamie Chadwell breaks out a reverse play that was run absolutely beautifully. Tyson Mobley goes 32 yards into the end zone untouched, and highly and likely were down there blocking all the corners and safeties and the downfield blocking has really been a highlight of this season we talked about it last week even these receivers are completely bought into helping everybody it's hard to get receivers to want to block but that's what coastal has here and it makes the offense go from great to elite and that's what we saw yesterday complete elite domination all the way around absolutely and tyson mobley he only had one reception but that one reception was a nine-yard touchdown so Overall, I mean, they might have a little something there in Tyson Mobley in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't want to take anything away from UMass, right? As much as, you know, they're a high school team. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, no, I guess that would be kind of an insult, taking something. Oh, Just I mean. a little weird. <laughs> no, Bad. but they, uh, everybody on Coastal looked phenomenal. Uh, like, there's not one player that I look at, ah, you should have had a better game. Like, that. no. Everybody was dominant from the start. They looked like the number 17 ranked team in the country, and they looked like they deserved to be ranked higher than that, if I'm being honest. They, they kicked ass. Yep, this they is, really did. And this is what we were looking for. We were wanting to see how Coastal was going to bounce back from a, 20, from a 28 to 25 victory over Buffalo. We wanted to see how they were going to come out from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. And we, we saw the Coastal Carolina that we are accustomed to seeing Week in and week out, and 53 points is 
definitely what we're used to. We're used to seeing them score 40, 50 points uh, each week. So, um, and really the, the total yards, the 558 total yards, I mean, if we can continue to play like this, I mean, App State's in trouble. <laughs> That's just yeah, I, I, I think so too. Because, I mean, you look back at Coastal season, sure, they haven't played anybody spectacular yet. I think Buffalo is a better team than people are giving them credit for. In Buffalo, you have, you have mm-hmm. to go up there and win that game. But Coastal so far, 52 points against Citadel, 49 against Kansas. 28 against Buffalo, and 53 against UMass. Like, that's that's insane offensive production in the three games that you would expect them to have insane offensive production. They came through. There's a lot of people talking about, you know, sleeper games and you look bad against an opponent you should trash. Coastal doesn't do that. Coastal really doesn't. Because even going into, you know, if you listen to last week's postgame after Buffalo, we were a little bit harsh on, on Coastal. Most of that comes from the fact that we expect better, right? We, right. We've, we've come to expect this team to, to dominate, and they did. They really, truly did this week. Right. One, one of the storylines we were looking at coming into this week was the 36-point favorite spread that Coastal got from Vegas. And one of the things is last year they, did, they covered the spread in every single game except the Liberty game, which was that Cure Bowl game. And we had covered the spread every game this year except for the Buffalo game. So to come in and cover by 14 points show that we're back performing better than even what the experts think. And they gave us a 36-point cushion. So we bounced back from last week. The announcers actually opened the game with talking about trap games, which I thought was ridiculous because it's UMass. <laughs> yeah. But we came in, we were focused, we did not look past them, we didn't even look past a single play, and we're locked in and trying to score on every play, in the defense especially. You're up by 50 points in the fourth quarter. You think you can let up a little? No. Chad Staggs, our defensive coordinator, he wanted that zero on the scoreboard, and he almost got it, but it looked good all the way around the whole game. Absolutely. I mean, you look at Coastal's offense, and they are incredible, you know. But And sometimes it kind of takes a little bit away from the defense. But the defense for Coastal, too, sure. is absolutely amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, against Citadel, they held them to 14 points. Kansas had 22 points. But, again, we were absolutely destroying Kansas. So there's that. Uh, Buffalo, obviously, was a very close game. Uh, they held Buffalo to 25 points. And then UMass, they held them to three. So I feel like the UMass game, again, it gave us, like, a big taste of what Coastal Carolina's defense is capable of. Going on the defense we were looking at last week, we got no sacks. And one of the players we mentioned that we wanted to see step up this week was senior Jeffrey Gunter, the defensive end, who really has to fill in for what we're missing from Teron Jackson. Two sacks yesterday for him. He was one of the guys that really stepped up and made that defense great from the start. He had one of those in the first quarter, one in the second, and then he didn't really play after that. But the defense was putting pressure on the quarterbacks, which is not something we saw in that Buffalo game. So it was good to get that right heading into the Sun Belt play starting next week. Yeah, this this was a nice opportunity for Coastal to kind of hit reset on that defense. You know, It hasn't been bad this season, but Buffalo made them – look not great for parts of that game, right? They were running all over them. UMass didn't do that. UMass no. finishes the game with, you know, almost no rushing yards. I think they're, they were like 28 or something. Like, it's 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 nothing good. Yeah, 28 total yards rushing yeah. for, their t- for their team. Brady Olsen, their quarterback, is fun. I, j- I love, like, little statistical things like this. Yeah. Five carries, negative 33 yards for a mm. negative 6.6-yard average. Mm. His longest carry of the day... 
one yard. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. He's the quarterback. He's not their main weapon there. But that was, that like that stat line makes any defensive coordinator happy. Yeah, and after a very physical and just demanding, physically demanding game against Buffalo, where Buffalo really pounded us and they were they out-toughed us. They played more physical football than us. So to get in, get everything right, make all the little tweaks, and then the defense was out by the third quarter, so they got to rest. So they're ahead on the schedule on that. But it was good for them to fix what they needed to and then get out after a very physical game against Buffalo. Right, and I mean, we look at this game, obviously UMass had no chance, but if UMass wanted to put any type of points on the board, I really felt like it could have been through their rushing game. And the reason why is because you look at Ellis Merriweather, he only had six uh, rushes, and uh, and also Karon Adams, he he also had six rushes, but they were averaging. But Merriweather was averaging five yards per carry, and Karon Adams was averaging four point two yards per carry. So they could have did a little bit of damage uh, in the run game. I just don't think they relied on it too heavily. Right, and they fell behind early in the first quarter. They had right. to start. Yeah, you now. can't you can't keep running the ball. Yeah. When you're you down thirty six nothing at halftime. <laughs> yeah. you, right. you don't have I, a choice. I just think it might have it, it could have been better than getting three point seven yards <laughs> per catch. Yeah, yes. no, that's yes. pitiful. Yeah, sure. You know, Grayson McCall finishes ten of 14, 162 yards, two tutties. Like we said, didn't even see the didn't even have his helmet with him in the second half. Bryce Carpenter four of nine, seventy seven and a touchdown. His change of pace, if you will, from Grayson McCall is is really fun to watch. He's not, you know, the the slash and dash kind of guy that Grayson McCall is. He's more of a power runner at quarterback. Mm-hmm. He looks so good. Most colleges, most FBS schools, I don't think they could look at their backup quarterback and go, yeah, like we're good. If our guy right. goes down, we're good. We can. We're one of the few teams in FBS that can go to our backup quarterback and be like, it's not Grayson, but screw it. We're still fine, right? Like, <laughs> like nobody's yeah. calling for Grayson to be replaced. But, man, I feel super confident with that guy back there. And yesterday proved it. He yeah. looked totally competent. He looked like the quarterback that, that we expect him to look like. He's really, really good. That's actually one of the main things that I've gathered so far from these four games this year is that Bryce Carpenter can play at this level. And I thought we were going to have a little setback in that when Fred Payton transferred to Mercer, which he actually started and got them a win yesterday in the FCS. But when he left, I was like, okay, Bryce Carpenter needs to step up because if Grayson goes down, I don't know how much that floor lowers by having Carpenter instead of Payton. But I don't think it moved at all, and I felt confident with Payton last year. And I feel very confident with Carpenter and not many backup quarterbacks. Your second backup quarterback also play receiver and running back yeah, during yeah. the game. And Carpenter does that. So he plays and he's constantly getting game time, whereas other backup quarterbacks are just sitting on the sideline freezing ice cold. Yeah, they'll run this kind of like pseudo wildcat formation where they'll bring Carpenter in, they'll throw McCall out wide and have him run quarterback and you don't know what they're going to do with it. They haven't done anything funky or cool with it yet. Yeah. I fully expect in games that are closer and more competitive that they will. But you've got to respect having two quarterbacks on the field with insane athleticism. How do you stop those guys? How, what, what plan do you have for those guys? But that's it's, it's so nice and so comforting to have that, that second guy there that really looks fantastic. Uh, moving on to the running game, we talked a little bit. We mentioned uh, Bennett and White earlier. They finished eight carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown for Bennett. Nine for 69 uh, and a touchdown for White. 
We uh, Mobley won for 32 for a touchdown. That, that was awesome to see him get around the edge like that. That was super cool. Running game as a whole, man, this is... Ah. UMass couldn't stop us at all. But you want the stat to prove it? 45 carries as a team for Coastal. 312 yards. That's an average of 6.9. You were, If you ran on first down, you're setting yourself up for second and three, right? Like, that's you can't stop a team when you're that way, you know, when, you, when they've already set themselves up. Four rushing touchdowns in total on the game as well. Absolutely. I have so much confidence in this running game for Coastal Carolina. And this is a game where Shamari Jones, he didn't even play. Like, I didn't, yeah. And... For us to do put over 300 yards on the ground without Shamari Jones, that's a scary thing. I mean, Shamari Jones, who was easily, not, not even close, like he was unequivocally the player of the week last year. Or last, last week. Yeah. Nobody was even, we don't win that game without Shamari Jones. He didn't step foot on the field <laughs> yesterday, and we win by 50. Like that's insane depth and insane athleticism that we've got on this team. That's a... A real credit to Coach Chadwell and identifying talent and bringing them to Conway so that we have that, that we can rotate these guys in and, and keep rolling. Moving to a little bit of receiving, Javon Hiley did Javon Hiley things, man. Yep. Five receptions, 118 yards. That's a 24-yard average. One touchdown. Isaiah Likely, three receptions, 76 yards. That's a 25-yard average. Another touchdown for him. Um, and then Mobley. Adding on to his rushing touchdown, got another passing touchdown, or excuse me, receiving touchdown there. Team as a whole finishes uh, 246 yards receiving, three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, what else can you ask for? You know, highly likely it returned this game, you know, and, and highly was their last game, but likely, you know, he had one catch for, I believe, six yards and a touchdown. So highly likely really wasn't there last week, but this week, highly likely definitely returned. And it's such an exciting duo that they got there. And you can definitely tell we can be a very deadly offense when we have highly and likely going off and doing the things that they do. Especially with Likely. I like how Likely, I mean, Coach Chavo has even come out and said that he believes that Isaiah Likely is the top tight end in the country. So when we have Likely and Highly out doing the things that they're doing, I mean, it looks pretty scary. It looks scary for a lot of teams. And special teams in this game came up big, too. You know, uh, Liam Gray misses the first extra point. Sorry. Comes back to hit three after that, goes three of four. Coolahan comes in, kicks the other three extra points, makes all of them, and hits a field goal from 38 yards. Like, special teams was great. Blocked punt that leads to a safety early in the game that pretty much ended the game. It wasn't so much a contest after about the first drive. The safety and the two miscues on special teams by UMass ended that game so fast and that's a credit to our special teams and the athleticism and and how good they are at what they do this is again now we have the uh, blocked kick against Kansas for a touchdown with Spillum you You now have a punt last week Mm -hmm. like that was so big in, in getting that back yeah getting back into that game excuse me against Buffalo so man special teams looks Special. (laughs) And one thing I want to mention is, first couple games we were talking, the kickoff coverage did not look that great. And we get a lot of practice with kickoff coverage because we score a lot of points. But the last couple weeks, especially against Buffalo and this week, we've only been allowing 
teams to get out to the 19-20, where even Citadel was returning to the 35 on us. So really just field position to start drives has been a lot better, and the special teams is really clicking this year really clicking which is something it was okay last year but it's been great this year and when you get down and play a great team something like that is the difference between a win and a loss special teams is going to come in real handy i'm telling you special teams down the stretch will, will come in the clutch for us because we are going to need those big time plays on special teams block punts we're going to need big time punts if we ever can punt the ball <laughs> and, we're gonna, and we're going to need really good kickoffs like we've been having these last uh three weeks uh so I believe if special teams continue to keep doing what they're doing, uh, and it's going to make it a lot easier for our defense and for uh, us to do what we do on defense. Yeah, it's weird. I don't even know who our punter is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're listening out there. It's, it's not it's that I don't like you. Charlie Overson. Oh, there you go. Shout out. Because, <laughs> man, you punted one. Like, like, you didn't punt at all yesterday. Mm. It feels like you've punted all of, like, twice all season. Like, it, I mean, it's a good thing that I don't know your name off the top of my head, but... <laughs> right. If I'm a punter that's getting recruited, I don't want to come <laughs> Right. You don't want to get on the side right the whole time. Yeah. You're not getting a chance to do anything. Now yeah. when the, the four-star punter that we've been recruiting yeah. drops <laughs> off the board, he's like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you imagine this podcast has the reach like that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah. No, special teams has looked really, really good on this team. There's, there's, you know, there's no reason for for that to be an issue. Again, it's much like how we feel about Bryce Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Every time we line up for a kick, I'm confident we're gonna make it. Every time the team again that we're playing against lines up for a punt, I'm pretty confident we're gonna block that too. <laughs> and if we don't block it, man, Highly or Stokes, whoever's back there is gonna get a heck of a return. So you know, it's it's fun to have a team like this that. Where is the weakness, right? And a game like UMass, again, UMass not great, but this proved really unequivocally that Coastal in all three phases is the team that Coastal was expected to be. Is, as of right now, the highest ranked team in the state of South Carolina. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> shout, out, shout out Coastal. Let's go. Thank but, you, NC State. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah shout out NC State. Um, but yeah, with, with that in mind, I think we move a little bit national. We go, we talk about Clemson losing to NC State in double overtime. Clemson has not looked good all season, has faltered now. Coastal, uh, because we're recording on a Sunday, we actually have updated AP polls. Coastal has only moved up one spot to number 16. We're a little bit disappointed in that. There were a couple teams that lost ahead of us. We were expecting to move up a bit more. But I think a lot of that comes down to your schedule. We've beaten everybody that they put in front of us, but we haven't beaten anybody who's a major team. So you kind of understand the voters a little bit of hesitation to move Coastal up. Clemson falls to 25. Texas A&M entered the week at 7. They've dropped down 15. They're one spot ahead of Coastal. So we got to keep an eye on that. But what were your takeaways from this weekend in football? One thing I want to continue to monitor throughout the season is um, University of Louisiana Lafayette's success. Because if Coastal wants to make a New Year's Six Bowl, they're going to need a big win somewhere that's like actually nationally ranked. And ULL, if they win the Sun Belt West, will be that team. They only won by eight points against Georgia State. They were preseason ranked, so we don't like them at all. 
Don't get me wrong, but we do want them to kind of pick it up a little bit and do their end of the deal so that we can have a high-ranked Sunbelt Championship if it comes there. But anyways, they're looking pretty rough, so Coastal can really only control what they do and just keep winning. But that's one thing I want to continue to monitor. For me, besides Clemson losing, I think the biggest shock for me when I seen it was um, Arkansas defeating Texas A&M. And Arkansas is now in the top 10 for the AP poll rankings, and Texas A&M drops down to 15, one spot above us. Yeah, the main takeaway for me is going to be later on down the road is going to be that Notre Dame and Cincinnati matchup. Because we have – we're going to probably be the biggest Irish fans. I'm not going to lie to you. Yes, sir. If, if Notre God, Dame – and I, Yeah, and I know some of <laughs> us here – if some, some of us here don't like – really like Notre Dame, but – for them to go out and for them to go out and dominate Cincinnati would really put us in a really good spot to, if we continue to keep doing what we're doing, we're going to make a really big splash in a New Year's Six Bowl potentially. Yeah. So I, that's the one thing I'm taking away from Yeah, I mean, if, if Cincinnati gets embarrassed by Notre Dame, you have that. all the potential in the world for Coastal to come into next week as you know the highest ranked group of five right. team, which... In the new format, automatically guarantees you a new New Year's Six Bowl, which we went to our first bowl game <laughs> last year. <laughs> to be in a New Year's Six, man, like, like, it, we'll, we'll step back from the national conversation just for a second. Jamie Chadwell has already earned himself a statue at Coastal. Like, I want right outside of, of like, this will be a reference that only our, the students here will understand. But I want, like, right outside the wall building, like, I want Jamie Jamie Chadwell mullet and visor and, and headset just right outside the wall building. Every day I go to class, I get to high-five Jamie Chadwell on the way in. Like, like that dude, what he has built in this program in, in the short amount of time that he's had is outstanding, un- unbelievable. But... Yeah, I mean, looking ahead to this weekend, you've got Cincinnati against Notre Dame. Again, we talked about it. We're going to be the biggest Irish fans in the world. Ooh, that hurts my heart. But, <laughs> but I got to do it. You know, Coastal has to get up in those rankings. That's the best way to do it. We were talking about, like, marquee victories for Coastal, and UL Lafayette is up there. They're, they're You know, that team we don't play in the regular season, that would be a, a championship-only game. Appalachian State is away on a Wednesday, a couple weeks from now. You've got to be ready for that trip to Boone. And in all honesty, I want to give a shout-out to like the Sun Belt as a whole. Without some poor officiating, Georgia State Georgia State, excuse yeah. me, probably upsets Auburn. Yep. Right? Like they put in a heck of a fight. Appalachian State, they're three and one. Their only loss is to a Miami team that looks pretty good. You know, that's a power five team. That's a power I mean, that's a that's a powerhouse team, right? That's a team that puts a ton of talent in the NFL. App State took them to town, right? UL Lafayette looked competitive against Texas in week one. The Sun Belt as a whole looks really good, which is a good thing for Coastal, right? You as much as you want to win, as much as you want to be the top dog, you want to be the top dog of something good. You don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be the, the, the best team in the MAC and you're 6-6, six and six, right? You know, yeah. like, and sure, what I, yeah, MAC champions. But, like, if you're Sunbelt champions and you beat a, an App State team that finishes 10-2 and two with losses to you and right. Miami, mm-hmm. you beat UL Lafayette in the championship game that finishes 10-2 and two with losses to you and Texas, yes, that's powerful. That's a statement. And we talked about on, on last episode how, you know, 
the Sun Belt for years, and and you know for good reason, runs through Boone, North Carolina, mm-hmm. right? This is App State's conference in football. That that's a shift. Mm-hmm. That's a no, no, no. Sun Belt runs through Conway, South Carolina. It's yeah. here. If you want to win a championship, you gotta beat Coastal. And I'm just gonna say this right here, right now. Um, if the Sun Belt Championship game was not canceled last year due to COVID, Louisiana was probably gonna have a tough time coming in here trying to win the, that championship game. But sure. one thing I gotta say is, people think that the Sun Belt is like a little cupcake conference. We're not a cupcake conference. We're out here and we're beating some teams and going and giving every team these powerhouses their best game. Right. One of our worst teams, Georgia State, almost beat a ranked Auburn team last week. So we can compete with anyone top to bottom, really. Exactly. So, I mean, I just don't I don't like how people say that. But, I mean, you can't say we're a cupcake team when we're beating BYU and we're beating these teams and, like, Louisiana. Like, we're not. We're, we're, we're here to play, and we'll play anybody. Right, that is one thing that I wanted to mention from the AP poll this week is that BYU continues to rise, and they're at, what, 13, 14 now? And it's essentially the same team that we beat last year, just without the number two overall pick. So that's very disrespectful, honestly, for the AP poll to put them ahead of us because we literally beat them. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, they've got a tough game against Utah State this weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're only eight-and-a-half-point favorites right now. I think that'll shrink a little bit. I'm actually probably At Utah gonna, State. Yeah, at Utah State. I'm probably going to put a bit of money down on that for the <laughs> to cover. Um, but, yeah, so back to kind of a more national lookout, games we're looking ahead to. We've already mentioned Cincinnati-Notre Dame. Arkansas-Georgia, that's yeah. a 2-8 matchup. Arkansas has been kind of a Cinderella this year. They've beaten a bunch of teams. They look good. Um, nothing, not going to take away from that team. But if Georgia beats them, that's a team that could fall behind Coastal. Iowa-Maryland is one. Iowa's only four-point favorites right now at Maryland, who's 4-0. Talia Tagovailoa. And Maryland's going to be super hyped up for that one. That's on Friday. Yeah, they're canceling classes. They, yeah. They, 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 um, Wow. They sent out an email to all faculty that, like, hey, either cancel class or put it on Zoom this week, on <laughs> Friday, so that we can, like, prepare. They're doing their blackout. So <laughs> that's going to be a heck of an environment for Iowa to come in. Wisconsin against Michigan. Wisconsin hasn't looked good this season. It looked awful. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, that's another game. Wisconsin, or excuse me, Michigan ranked 14th right now. So, again, another team ahead of Coastal. We call them Yeah. Look out for Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, you got number 12 Ole Miss coming to Alabama, and both offenses seem to be rolling right now. So uh, that game, going against Alabama's defense, it might sputter a little for Ole Miss, but we'll, we're going to give them their best bet, let them see what they do the first couple of drives. But that, that Ole Miss always gives Alabama a tough time too. So be on the lookout yeah, for that game. Michigan, too. actually, now I'm looking at it. We The AP poll was just updated today. They jumped up to 14 after not covering the spread by 13 points. They were 20-point favorites. They won by, like, seven. But Coastal covers by two touchdowns, and somehow Michigan moves ahead. That's just something crazy right there. Yeah, that's insane. Mississippi State against Texas Mm. A&M. That's a game to keep your eye on. I like Oklahoma State versus uh, Baylor. Um, That'd be a good game. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a really good game. game. Yeah. I mean, I think those are two very, very good offenses. I think both of them uh, this week, they both got dubs. And Baylor's was pretty close. It was only a two-point dub. As for Oklahoma State, it was an 11-point win. So, overall, a good one for them. Yeah, that's another one of those games where they're ranked just behind Coastal. And we wish we were playing soccer. You could get a draw, right? Because we saw right. that with Michigan. Right, Michigan barely beat 
Rutgers, got their tails kicked in the second half by Rutgers and got lucky to walk away with a win at home and jumped past Coastal, right? right? So, you know, again, that's another one of those games where you wish it would end 0-0 and everybody goes home. <laughs> everybody goes home. And we just, all right, Coastal, all right, but whatever. I don't know. We'll just walk away. We'll be fine. I'll say this. From a Coastal standpoint, I think the one team right now that I'm really looking at that is interest, that's interesting me the most is Fresno State. And they're only two ranks below us. You know, I think overall that team is really interesting to me. Right, and they, they don't cover by almost 24 points, and somehow they move up four spots. So the AP poll really seems inconsistent in how they're treating performances of other teams compared to po- Coastal. It almost seems like they're like pulling against Coastal and trying to find every reason to keep them right where they are and not let them move any higher. Look, yeah, out, like for, look out for number 22 in LSU. Number 22, Auburn and LSU next week. Potential, I don't know what game day is, but they were talking like this could be potential game day. I think game day will probably be Alabama, Ole Miss. Well, I mean, that's still a good, I still feel like that's going to be a good game. Uh, Auburn and LSU, Auburn off this little scare that they had, see what they do against LSU. And LSU hasn't been playing their best. A couple of three and one teams, see what they do next week. Yeah, and that's, that's a couple of, of true, you know, blue blood teams right behind Coastal. That again, wish it could end 0-0. Because <laughs> those are teams that national poll voters are going to recognize real quick. But yeah, that shouldn't scare Coastal. And I don't think it, it does. I don't really think Coastal cares. I don't think Chad Waller or any of the players care what their ranking is, what that number says, they care at the end of the season that you're twelve and zero, that right. you're headed right. to, you know, you're headed to the Sun Belt Championship undefeated, and you can win that, and then you say, hey, look, here's our record. We we've, we've done everything you've asked of us. We've beaten every opponent you've put in front of us, right? Right. A group of five team in in like a normal season, which this is, has never not made a New Year six after going undefeated. So I feel like. Their mindset is we take care of what we need to, and it'll come once we do what we should. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the postgame episode. So next week, Coastal plays ULM at home. That's University of Louisiana Monroe. Not a great team. We'll dive into that more uh, next week. That is a Saturday game, 2.30 kickoff, they've decided. Follow us at The Shant Show on Twitter, at Shant Show on Instagram. And, uh, again, like I asked for last week, send us comments, send us questions. We're going to leave those DMs open. We'd love to answer viewer questions on here. and We're going to work on getting two episodes out to you next week. One will be football-centric, and the other one we're going to try and do some fun stuff with some of the other sports going on on campus. But for Curtis, Josh, Mario, Jordan, I'm signing off. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Sean Show. We'll see you next week.